her. They knew what she was. She, he didn't think that Jesus knew what she was, but at every level, this would have been perhaps received as this is not the right thing to do. The Pharisee was looking at this, trying to test, see who Jesus, what he was and what he was about, claiming to be a prophet or a teacher. She, so from his mind, Jesus is supposed to be a prophet. He should not be with a sinner as a prophet. You don't want to be with unclean people. Therefore, he's not a prophet because this woman is a sinner. You see, Jesus, this Pharisee would have believed that God forgives sin for people like him, but not for people like that. Do you know anyone like that? Uh, you, you do. I'm guessing if you're in here today, you, you know people that you would say, they are so far from God, they're not the kind of people who Jesus would come for. Maybe you work with some people and you're like, man, I, I, they're not church people. They would never come to anything like that. But I'm guessing that all of us, either now or in fits and seasons, go in and out from thinking, if people knew, I mean, if they knew, if my reputation was made public, if they knew, if God knew, he wouldn't receive me. Maybe you think your sin is so big and so grotesque, perhaps even abhorred by culture, called out among, uh, whether it's the religious or the non-religious, as something that is wrong or against God. And it is against God, perhaps. And you would think, God wouldn't receive me. He wouldn't receive me. I want you to know Jesus has an opinion about that. Just as you're thinking that in your heart, so was the Pharisee. The language here in verse, uh, in verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, literally, uh, he was thinking in himself. He didn't say this out loud. He, he was thinking, what in the world is this guy who thinks he's a prophet doing let this woman uh, of the city touch him? She's a sinner. Don't, uh, that, that's not allowed. He should be nowhere near that kind of of person. Jesus' opinion is this. That's exactly the kind of person who I came for. That's exactly the kind of person that I came to love and forgive and die for. You see, his private doubt is answered with a public declaration. Watch what Jesus does in verse 40. He says, and Jesus answering him, so he's like, he's God, y'all. He, he knows your thoughts. So Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. All right. That was not a formal reply, but we're going to move past that for just a minute because we already know that this guy does not like Jesus or even believe that he would be uh, the Messiah who has come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus says, I got something to tell you. I can see what you're thinking about me 
and sinners, and I need to tell you something that you don't know, even though it's in the Bible that you have memorized, you seem to have forgotten it there, Simon. He tells a story. He says, verse 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. 500 denarii uh, is, uh, if you uh, make 50,000 a year or whatever, it's like 100,000, $120,000, I don't know, something like that. And the other one owed 50. Okay, 50 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage. That's like a, almost two months worth of wages. I don't know, whatever, 10,000. We'll just call it even because I'm not good at math. I teach people a book, you know, and I didn't even write it. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll just call it 100000 and $10,000, give or take. And so these, these two guys, they're, they're in debt to this master. One owes $100,000. That's like a lot of debt. Uh, one owes $10,000. Comparatively, much less debt, but still debt. But here's the problem continuing on. When they could not pay, neither of them could pay. It doesn't matter if you owe 100000 or you owe 10000 If you can't pay, you're about to get in trouble. And you don't get in more trouble. Your master owns you until you pay off your debt. You've lost your freedom because of the debt that you owe. That's the point. It's not about the amount of debt. It's the, it's the fact that you are in debt over your head and you cannot pay. The point of this is they've come to a place where they can't work anymore. They're not going to be able to make ends meet. They don't have any ability to pay back the debt that they owe. And so here's Jesus's question. Or when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Literally, he graced them. He canceled their debt. Both whether they had a lot of debt or a little debt, both of these guys... He graced them. He gave them what they didn't deserve. Now, let's be clear. The debt has to be paid by somebody. Like, you, you know that, like, when you take out a loan, you, uh, someone has to pay that, right? Like, it, whether it goes on somebody else's tab or your tab, it goes somewhere, right? When you take your kids out to, uh, out to eat or take somebody else out to eat, and you're like, listen, you guys, just eat from the lunch portion menu or eat from the dollar menu. And they're like, no, I'm going to buy the, the dinner platter. You know, and you know they're only going to eat half of it. I'm telling on myself in this instance, that's what I do. Uh, uh, you know they're going to eat half. And they're like, look, they don't know. You're the one that pays for that, right? Like M-O-M becomes spelled A-T-M. That's what my mom would say uh, with four boys growing up. Like, like someone has to pay for that because you're going into debt with what you are receiving. That has to get paid for. And in this instance, the master says, graced. I'll take that on me. It's his debt. So here's the question that Jesus asks. Now, which of them will love him more? Well, the setup is, makes the answer easy, right? So Simon, he says, the one, verse 43, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says to him, you have judged rightly. Simon understands the principle that those who are forgiven love the forgiver. He just said he understands this principle. 
Now watch what Jesus does here to help him be reminded of what he's missing about God and sinners. He continues on. He says, then turning toward the woman, she's been out of the picture until this point. She appears, she begins wiping, uh, weeping and clean, uh, anointing Jesus' feet with her tears. All this conversation is happening around her and about her, but not to her. Jesus looks at her and says, look at this woman. Look at her. Do you see her? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with fine perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she is loving much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Here's what Jesus tells him. Simon, you're missing it, man. I came into your house. You didn't even offer to wash my feet. Basic custom. You could have asked somebody else to do it. Basic custom uh, of hospitality. I came into your house. You didn't even greet me. Basic custom of hospitality. I came into your house. You didn't anoint me with oil. Basic custom of hospitality. So from what I'm seeing here, she is showing how much she loves me. You're not even showing me you love me a little. You didn't do any of them. Simon, you don't even love me a little bit. You don't know what it is to be forgiven because those who have been forgiven love Simon doesn't like that. But the declaration doesn't end there. Those who've been forgiven by God love God. The language here and earlier on helps us see that this woman had had an experience with Jesus before this moment. She knew who he was. She knew where to find him. She knew uh, where he'd be. She went and got an alabaster flask. She came and found him, and she began weeping. Jesus knew who she was. The language helps us understand that Jesus knew exactly who this woman was. He knew exactly what she was about. He knew her reputation, and something had happened before this moment that he would know she, her sins have been forgiven. She has had faith in God. You, Simon, your sins have not been forgiven. Therefore, that's why you're, you're not loving God. You, I can see that in you. And so look at the declaration. Just picture yourself for just a minute, a person broken and bruised by the reputation that you have, uh, the things that you have done in your darkest times are out for the whole city to know. They know you by that. Your name when people come, or that's a person, a sinner. We don't let that kind by me. Uh, let's pretend that that's you and your reputation. And God himself looks at you and says these very words. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. He who is forgiven a little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven, loosed, unleashed from you. And that's what this word means. 
He turns to the sinner. He pursues sinners. This is what God does in Scripture. This is what Jesus does in the book of Luke. He relentlessly pursues sinners so that they may be free from their sin. And this woman, weeping and crying, anointing and loving, Jesus turns and says, your sins, your sins are forgiven. You've been loosed. Listen, believer in Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. You have been loosed from the, bind, from the bonds and bondage of sin. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. And that's not all. Continuing on, here's what happens. The public declaration leads continuing on. He says, then those who are at the table with him began saying among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? They're like, is this guy crazy that he would even forgive sins? Oh, he doesn't just forgive sins. Watch what he does in verse 50. And he said to the woman again, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to know, you cannot forget that your sins have been forgiven. You were saved by faith in Christ. And you have peace with God. You need to know that because whether it's the chatter around or the critics in your life or just honestly our, our own thoughts where we play those things over and over and over again, talking to ourselves in our car on the drive home with our windows up. I'm not the only one that does it. You do it too. I see you. And you just think, man, how foolish am I? And in that, you get a beautiful reminder. Your sins have been forgiven. You were saved by faith. Christ runs for you, relentlessly pursues you. And you have peace with God. So what do we do with this? If you're a follower of Jesus, as we close out with one more song, would you, would you take that time to just rehearse the beauty of the gospel? Like the, the gospel is the story of how Christ came for you, not when you were perfect and pursuing God. God came to you. Uh, Paul would write later, he said, that he became your sin who knew no sin so that he might become, so that you would become the righteousness of God in Christ. He'd write, God demonstrates his love for you in this, that while you are a sinner, that's when Christ died for you. In Colossians, we find out that he publicly disarmed all rulers and authorities and the record of debt that was against you nailing it to the cross. You, like this woman, have had a time, believer in Jesus, where publicly it has been proclaimed and declared your sins are forgiven forever. Meditate on that if you're a believer in Jesus. If you're not a follower of Christ, I have some fantastic news for you. And I don't mean you were raised in church. I don't mean that you were raised in 
one of the hard parts about uh, being in, in, in America is that uh, everyone, that's not true, many claim the Christian faith and they have no idea what that means. Our job's to tell them. And so if that's you, I want you to know following Jesus is seeing what happens in this picture with this woman and doing this thing, allowing God to rescue you as a sinner. Practically, it looks something like this, crying out to God and saying, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. That's the kind of person he comes for. He'll agree with you. Say, God, I I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. That's the kind of person, a sinner, that's the kind of person he forgives. God, I ask that you would help me to love you and follow you with my life. In this, what would be declared is your your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's what God does for sinners who come to him. So today, if you're not a follower of Christ, I ask that you would pray to receive Jesus. In fact, let's go into a time of response right now. I'm going to pray for you, and if you're in the room, I want you to know there's going to be some people up front, and if you'd like to receive Christ, we'll be up here. If you'd like to pray, you, you just have more questions or whatever, we'll, we'll be up here. If, if you're online, you can email pastor at firstnorfolk.org or send G, text Jesus to the number on the screen, and someone's going to reach out to you and have that conversation with you. But whatever it is, let's respond as those who have been freed, unchained from our sin, or those who found freedom today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word and your truth. God, would you give us the courage and conviction by your Holy Spirit to believe and trust and follow you. Lord, for those that are believers in Jesus in this room, would you Help them to see the beauty of the gospel that even someone like them, whether their debt was 100,000 or 10,000, Lord, would you help them to see that you take that debt upon you, that you have taken that debt upon you. Lord, I pray that you would help those who are far from you that are not followers of Christ to follow you right now. Let them cry out to you, confessing their sin, believing in Jesus Christ, that they may follow you with the rest of their life. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.